hello everyone, and welcome to another edition of Strongcast. I'm your host, Armstrong Williams. One has to wonder, what is the bar one must muster and pass to not only be taken serious and have the best shot at winning the presidency or a congressional or senatorial seat. You know, so let me, let me just take, let me cut to the chase where I'm going. So, you know, I like Vice President Joe Biden. I know you're going to be surprised to hear this. Joe Biden, uh, when I was much younger, probably Dina's age, um, was very kind and fair to us during the Justice Thomas confirmation process. He could not have been more of a fair-minded um, chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee, even when he was being pressured from the left to include witnesses that was just nothing but garbage. And he refused to allow that to happen. Even when he had to vote against Justice Thomas, he met with them privately to tell him. And he's remained in contact with them ever since. So Joe Biden is decent, okay? Let me just say this, Joe Biden is decent. I mean, where did we draw the line? I mean, I mean, I don't think somebody too close in your space in broad daylight when the cameras are rolling is thinking about sexual harassment. I just think, I mean, hey, look, you can say whatever you want to say about Biden, but where, where do we draw the line? And then it's as if liberals eat your own, and it's all because he's a threat to the new progressive. I agree. People like Bernie Sanders, who probably has the most to gain from this. But I mean, even the things that were said about President Trump, the groping, the grabbing, the allegations, the videos, even people like myself, who strong Christian foundation, felt that he should be forgiven. And I didn't think it should impact somebody who really wanted to vote for him because I don't think that's a determinant of how you're gonna be and govern uh, as president of the United States. And so I, I think it would be pretty outrageous, especially for conservatives to find themselves maligning Biden, because then to me, they would be hypocrites. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, so no. what, 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 what is it taking them? What is, what is fair game? I, I mean, I've got Dina Bass and Nate Mann from Blaze TV, their congressional correspondent, Nate's first time on the show. I mean, what does this stop? What does this witch hunt stop? Now, before you know it, nobody's going to run, run for office. I think, it, I think it definitely is giving people pause in terms of uh, entering public service in this way. And I will say that there is a degree of selective outrage. I think it's in a, um, I do not believe that what we are seeing, these accusations against um, Vice President Biden, I don't think that um, we should take a lot of, uh, I think we should take a pause and we should recognize, as you just said, in broad daylight, um, he has a uh, 40 year career in public service. He, we've never heard these kinds of claims before. It oh, is we, in. We, we've heard that he's fresh. We've heard that. We've not yeah, heard. We know. We, oh, hell no. Well, we've heard that. We've heard creepy. Oh, no, wait a minute. Let me creepy? just. No, we've heard. Handsy. Handsy. But people, yeah, but people have said it. that he's handsy, but it's not to the level that he, that people are saying that he needs to step away from public service. And it's in broad daylight. And my, my, this is my point. First of all, yes, women should always and men should always have the freedom to make um, to make claims, to speak um, the truth if so, if they feel like their space is being violated. But what we're seeing now is the Me Too movement gone wild. And 
you're, as you said, it's in public. I mean, these are these are hugs and pats in public. It's not as if he's doing anything um, uh, nefarious behind closed doors. And those are accusations that we've not heard. We've not heard those kinds of things but about. You know him. they're coming. You know, this is and, setting up. This is going more and more moment. Women are drunk. Look, Nate. We know how this works. We know where it's playing up to. They would not see. Here's how the media works. They already know the deal. They already have the facts, they have the videos, they have their witnesses. They already know where this is leading to before they drop the nuclear bomb, Nate. We've seen the scene before. We've seen it before. I, I'm surprised that if there was something, it hasn't, the, the trickle, the, the deluge that results from the trickle hasn't happened yet. You know why it hasn't happened? He has not said he was gonna step back and not run. Mm -hmm. Right. They're trying to give him the benefit of the doubt before, because you've given so much to this country, you're in your 70s, mm -hmm. before we take you out and really humiliate you, bow down. Mm -hmm. And, they, and this is something that, that, that bears examining. We, this, this was public knowledge, right? We know that Joe Biden has a history of trying to put his hands over, put his hands on women in what looked like up until these accusations came up in a fairly like platonic, albeit like kind of creepy uncle way. You know, mm -hmm. That's what all the internet memes are about, right? We've known this, and there there are points, that, there are tons of pictures that you can pull up on. I mean, you can pull them up on AP and Getty. You can find pictures of Joe mm -hmm. Biden where it looks just objectively creepy. The way that he goes about this at press conferences, at fundraisers, and, and things, things like this, there are a thousand internet memes and pictures to back that up. Until now, this has just been kind of written off by the mainstream media, and for, I think, reasons that have already been discussed here, right? This is... It's in broad daylight. Mm -hmm. It doesn't appear to be anything really sexual, and as far as we know... You know, giving the benefit of the doubt to people when we can't judge their souls, this may just be the way that the man thinks that, you know, this may just be the way that he shows appreciation and, and fraternity and blah, 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 blah. On the other side of it, you know, I, th I think that we're, we're, like you said, we're only seeing this now because he is a threat to whomever is going to carry the progressive banner in mm -hmm. the Democratic primary. That is why this is so newsworthy right now, because he hasn't ruled out a run. He hasn't, he hasn't ruled out a run. He hasn't said whether or not he's running. But everybody, deep down in their heart of hearts, knows that he is the Democrat in this contest, or at least in this orbit around the contest, who has the best chance of actually giving mm -hmm. President Trump a run for his money in a general election. You're absolutely right. I I agree with I agree with you 100%. I think that I think that as you pointed out Armstrong the the liberal left they're turning on their own they're eating their own and as a conservative who will vote for President Trump in 2020 the the one candidate the one <coughs> name that I think has um a serious uh presents a serious threat is Joe Biden. And I think that um yes he has a long record for us to pick apart but um, I think he has a willingness to go toe to toe with the president. He's, I mean, he, you know, he's unafraid of, you know, throwing a counterpunch. Um, and I think that the progressive left, I want uh, the progressive left is is pulling their party over a cliff. So, Nate, let me play a little advocate with you. I'm not going to call it devil's advocate. I mean, does the does the devil really need an advocate? <laughs> no, it does not need an advocate. You know, I think. America has become the most dangerous place for men. I think when Trump, President Trump echoed that, <laughs> you would be shocked, Nate, how many people who've said to me privately, I don't always agree with your boy, but he's right about men and the sexual harassment. So let's play devil's advocate here. You are CEO, our senior producer, our vice president, 
and you have the potential to hire these young women coming into the marketplace. You know all the pressures, the least little thing you can say, the least little action. You got to walk on eggshells. You got to be politically correct. And you don't know the mindset of this person. Don't you think that men in positions to hire are going to think not only twice, but 10 times about how they hire, who they hire, and when they hire? Obviously, the person that's going to really suffer from this new moment that we find ourselves in this country is this sexual harassment cloud. The people are going to, it's going to really impact their careers. It's going to impact people where they are now. Because people have to be hypersensitive. Because listen, if you're going to tell me that you're going to run headlines on major media outlets about Joe Biden um, being fresh in public, and that's what it is. He was just fresh. Men are fresh. All of a sudden, you're going to step back and you're going to realize, I don't want to get sued for this. I don't want these kind of allegations. And what are you going to do? And who's going to be the real person that uh, lose as a result of these allegations? Let me, uh, a step past fresh... When we look at the actual substance of the allegations themselves, it's just, it's a little weird. But before you know, we, we know it's a little weird, like, you're you know, it's, it's a little but weird. About, but what, how will it impact women in the workforce? Right. I, it used to be that one of the biggest things a young woman had to worry about sitting on the other side of the interview table was, does this guy, is this guy going to ding me in this interview because he thinks that I might need to take maternity leave or something else? Now, a bigger concern there is going to be for employers, you know, is this, is this going to be a liability for me down the road? That is the kind of trouble that you invite for everybody in the equation, right? Because you're, you know, if, if I'm running a business, I want the most qualified people. I don't want to have to worry about whether or not the most qualified person for the job is, is also a liability because we've torn down this understanding of the right of due process when it comes to allegations this serious, it's also a huge detriment to anybody who's applying for the job who's going to be the most qualified because that's an unfair mark against them because they may or may not in the future try to invoke the power of this evidence-free, fact-free, due process-free wave that has come into our politics and our public life. That's, that's a bad step for everybody. There, there's a reason that we have this understanding that people should be able to face their accusers. You should require proof beyond a reasonable doubt before you can actually condemn anybody in a court of law. And, you know, people say, well, you know, the, the court of public opinion doesn't, you know, doesn't require evidence. That's a cultural problem. If we're willing to believe anybody at face value, simply without any evidence proof, due process, any sort of evaluation of, of the facts of the case and what's available for us to objectively know, that disadvantages everybody, especially in an employment situation like you're describing. And, like, Dino, let me mention this. Now, this is an interesting um, fallout from all this. Most people, if you look at TV like Fox and CNN and MSNBC and CBS, they want beautiful, attractive mm -hmm. who exude sexuality and sensualness. But now an attractive woman walks into an office for an interview. She has on the right clothing. She's showing the right minor skin, which they do. And sometimes their mothers groom them for this. That's no longer an asset. That is a problem. I think you're absolutely right. I think that that, that is a problem. But I want to go back to what you said and what I think you were alluding to, this idea that men are now in some way, um, it's dangerous to be a man in America. I agree with you that women can now, under this Me Too movement banner, can um, create a lot of problems for men. I will say, though, um, and as a conservative, people will probably be shocked for me to say this, but I will say this, that even now, 
under the banner of the Me Too movement, men still have a greater advantage in the workplace than black, highly educated women. So I, I, I know, I know that, that it's shocking and it's uncomfortable, but yes. Especially I, coming from you. Yeah, I know it is. I'm, I'm, I'm shocking myself saying it, but, but I will say, so, but, but what I want is fairness. And I want fairness for black women in the workplace so that I don't have to feel like there's some sort of extra burden that whether it's self-imposed or not, this extra burden that I have to um, face. I want um, fairness in the workplace for white men, for black men. I just want fairness. And, and what you're saying is absolutely right. This idea of due process, that is what this country is built on. And that is and and in our history, that is what disadvantaged people have always been um, uh uh, void of, you know, so I've, I'm 100% behind you in, in this notion of due process. And if we have due process in the Me Too movement, if we have due process, you know, with Justin Fairfax in um, the lieutenant governor of Virginia, I think one of the things that's so interesting about this is that Joe Biden, who has a long career of, of public service, he may not run for president because he touched someone in public, but we have a governor in Virginia who is shown in blackface in his college yearbook, or maybe he's in a Ku Klux Klan um, gown, which, which one we can decide. But that will not um, discredit him from being governor. But, but we're saying that this man can't be president because he may have touched somebody on the knee a little um, inappropriately in public. And to that point, I, as, the, as the young punk on the panel, I've got to just openly wonder what in the world was going on in the 1980s where people thought that was funny. I, I, I don't know. But speaking more to that, I, I think that what would be also helpful since we talk about cultural problems, there's a cultural problem with this lack of due process in the Me Too movement. And ultimately this movement and people coming forward and sharing stories and sharing you know, legitimate stories of feeling uncomfortable, feeling harassed, feeling uh, being assaulted and things like that. I, and since we talked about Justice Clarence Thomas's confirmation hearing, I, I encourage everybody to read at least the opener to Wendell Berry's Sex Economy, Freedom and Community, if not the whole book. What he does is he gets back to this understanding that we used to have this common moral fiber that was upheld by communal ties, that was upheld by societal expectations, right? I, I might be rambling here, but this gets to my, one of my beliefs that Mike Pence is one of the smartest men in politics because he doesn't open himself up to accusations like this because he's never alone. Uh, with women who aren't his wife. You know, there used to be these kind of social expectations, these mores that they weren't fences. They weren't, you know, they weren't keeping us out of anything. They were guardrails that were keeping us from going off the cliff. And, you know, once we started, you know, middle way through the 20th century, this liberation of sex and wider culture that started in the 60s, 70s, and it progressed through. And, you know, you can see that portrayed in, a, in an artistic way in, you know, shows like Mad Men. When we started having these cultural changes about sex, when we started dissolving those moral ties, those societal ties, that's when we ended up in this situation where the only social, the only sexual moray that we have in the workplace and politics and everything else is this idea of consent. And, you know, not intrinsically right or wrong, but whether somebody consents to an action. And when when you run into these situations where you don't know if something's consensual, you can try to you can try to try to build that back and you know ask about all these other things. But I think that a lot of the behavior that precipitated this, a lot of the attitudes, the, the scenarios, the situations that precipitated the stories uh, that have come out of this Me Too movement, all began when we started tearing down these societal, cultural, social mores about how, we're, how men and women are supposed to interact with people and how they're supposed to interact with people that they're not married to. 
Dina? Well, I do believe that um, a breakdown of social mores has certainly um, created a new America. Uh, so I can, I can agree with you on that. It has created a new America. Um, I don't know, like for me, you know, I think of, I think of this madman era when there were still men behaving badly and the and these mores that you're talking about yeah. existed in that space you know and and, and, and and again I feel like I'm going to um, blow um, Armstrong's mind again with me as a conservative saying these things um but I feel like in this as we're approaching what I do believe is a me too movement gone wild I think that it is hugely important for women to have the the freedom to uh a new freedom to um address their accusers in the workplace and in places that are uncomfortable. And I don't think that there's, I don't think that there's any woman over the age of 30 who has not been in a situation at work where she's like, you know, I, he probably shouldn't have said that to me, but if I raise, if I say something about it, people are going to think I'm being, you know, approved. But what, but what about women who engage in the same banter? But that's, and that's the thing. I think that is exactly the point that now we're in a space where women and men um, consensually have the like they do engage in um, uh, sexual banter and uh, in discourse that that may look off color, but they're doing it as well. And in that space, I don't think men should be held accountable. I think if if you can dish it you, and you should be able to take right. it. Right. And and what I'm saying is more against the, the the scenarios and the attitudes that lead to situations where we have these muddied understandings of, of consensual behavior between between people, especially in professional environments. You know. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb, and this is probably going to bite me in the future. But you know, I, I, I think I'd rather live in a world where a guy who does does something, says something legitimately inappropriate to a female coworker, you know, loses a few teeth in the process from another male coworker before it has to come out and and be a Me Too story years later. Well, Me Too story. I mean, a lot of this stuff is being weaponized now. I I, I do think um, Bill O'Reilly uh, was sort of the beginning of all this, and People just assumed it was going to all take place at Fox News and it would reduce Fox News to the point where CNN and MSNBC and others would have a chance to compete with it and take away their audience. But what they did not foresee is um, Charlie Rose, Matt Lauer. Mm -hmm. And and now you've got the lieutenant governor of Virginia. And, and I'm sure, I'm sure about this. If Gail King had not involved herself in the first place, with interviewing Dara Kelly accusers, a Justice Smollett, where it wasn't about race. She had no choice but to be a voice for the women who accused the Virginia lieutenant governor. She just had no choice but to do that because then you would question the credibility of CBS itself. Mm -hmm. So while you may cheer about all this in the beginning, no one had any idea when the tsunami continued to gather storm who its actual victims and casualties would be. And like this is the problem when truth becomes less important than narrative. Yeah. This is the problem when evidence becomes less important than political expedience. You know, we're talking about things that are incredibly serious. We're talking about accusations that are incredibly serious and accusations, if they are true, actions that are immoral, deplorable and incredibly serious. You know, I keep using the, the left's buzzword on that, but they are. They are. But this right. is why, because of that seriousness, we need to prioritize things like facts, evidence, and due process. Otherwise, you end up you end up with absolute anarchy on this front, like you're describing. When we um, come back, when we come back on the Strongcast, Dean and I are going to talk to Chris Metzler about his 
new book. Uh, Nate, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Strongcast. Don't go away. We're back, and we'll continue this with Chris Metzler. Don't go away. So, uh, so Christopher Metzler um, is an author, political pundit, and government strategist. Tell us about your new book and what we can learn from it. Sure. The name of the book is Divided We Stand, The Search for America's Soul. It really traces why we have become a divided country. It also explores from a historical and academic standpoint the reality that Trump did not create division in this country, uh, that division existed. When was the last time America was, div- was united? In fact, America has always been divided. I don't think the issue is division. I think the issue is, are we understanding the reasons, <clears throat> excuse me, for divisions in this country? And how do we move to uh, deal with those issues? Well, what is the uniqueness of the times that we're in now? Well, the uniqueness is the fact that uh, Trump has taken office. And when Trump took office, basically what happened was he decided that he was going to throw out the playbook. So what you had before that was this is the way a president should behave. This is what a president should do. This is uh, these are the norms. And he basically said, look, I want to get things done. Forget norms, forget all of those kinds of things. And I think there has been a backlash against that, particularly by the far left and by the mainstream media. I have a question for you. So how, if, if we're more, divi- if, we're, if we've always been divided, does the president have any responsibility in uniting us? And did President Obama have a responsibility? Did 43 and 41, did they have a responsibility to unite us? No, I don't, I don't believe that the president has a responsibility to unite us. I think the role of the president is to lead the country. The president, what is the difference in leading the country and uniting the country? Well, there is a difference because united, uniting the country essentially means we're going to take all of the differing points of view and have them meld into one so we all just get along. That's not going to happen in America. We are a very diverse nation with diverse views. And so to expect that we are going to be, quote unquote, united, I think is a bit of a pipe dream. So, so you're telling me that we've had similar occupants of the White House like President Trump? Well, I, I don't know that we've had similar occupants. What I do know is the fact that as it relates to President Trump, he has, break, he has broken all of the mores. He has broken all of these things. I'm not sure that that's a bad thing. I think it's the opportunity for us to look at that and then decide whether or not that's acceptable. Tell, tell our audience the name of your book and where they can find it. Divided We Stand, The Search for America's Soul, available at Amazon and wherever books are sold. What, were, what was surprising about your research? What was the most surprising about my research was the fact that the left keeps really over and over again trying to push the failed policies of the left as if this is something new. It's not new. It's not going to work. It hasn't worked then. It's not going to work now. And essentially, the left's message is, oh, Trump's a bad man. Okay, fine. Um, If that's what you believe, but and what are you going to do about it? What I found was that, in fact, the left really had no new policies. They have no defense to Trump. Look, you just simply look at the mainstream media every day. It is all about Trump is a bad guy. If that's your message, good luck. 
That's not going to help. But how is it? Let me, let me, let me raise this. Um, I don't want anyone watching this live TV and strong cast to believe that the problem lies strictly with the left. I agreed. So address that. Well, I, I, there are some on the right, in fact, who are feeding into this continuous narrative. So rather than bringing forth solutions, both the right and the left have an obligation here. And so for many on the right, the extreme right in particular, they are simply saying, well, you know, so forget what you have to say, left. Uh, they are, are as responsible um, as the left is. This is a bipartisan area of division. And I think the solution is to actually get both parties involved in coming up with a solution rather than simply talking past each other. Well, thank you. Um, thank you uh, for joining us. And the name of the book, title of the book again, and where it's... Sure. Divided We Stand, The Search for America's Soul, available at Amazon.com and wherever books are sold. Chris Messler, thank you so much for joining us. Dina, thank you. Thank you, Nate. I'm Armstrong Williams. Thank you for joining us for this edition of StrongCast.